<laughs> oh, no doubt, no you doubt, know, no doubt. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. I'm no Jonathan Schaefer. Well, I mean, no, he's got he's got decades. Well, yeah, he's he's yes, got years he of experience. He literally has like an watch, extra watch, lifetime on me. Watch this. See, you you're comparing yourself to the day and to him the day. That's comparing like uh, when I was a rookie to Ronnie Lott. Yeah. I, I'm going to lose that battle. Be like so when he was 21 or yeah 25, right? You you're better than him. Be like comparing <laughs> Urban Meyer to Bill Belichick. Oh my. I don't know if that's a comparison. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you what I do. I, oh I, man. I work, in, I work in the business of sometimes having to tell people bad news. And I can tell you, I, I was a person who wanted to be very calculated as to when bad news was released. But I've never seen anybody drop it at 1 in the morning, Eastern time. Midnight our time. Hey, man. Let's just go. I, I, that was genius. Now, a lot of us woke up to it. I went to bed. Usually I'm up at like midnight, 1 o'clock every night. I have trouble going to sleep. But I actually was able to fall asleep last night by, well, obviously before this happened. But uh, they dropped it in the middle of the night. I mean, 5 o'clock Friday is like the traditional, let's just drop this out there now. Um, 1 in the morning was an all-time new. But uh, Urban Meyer out in Jacksonville, I mean, we had Joe Coward on. Uh, last week we are going to have Mark Long, who works the Associated Press, who covers the Jags. Went two and eleven. He's out after thirteen games. It seems like the final straw that broke the camel's back was the kicker thing that he kicked him. He kicked the kicker. He was a kicker, kicker. But that was in training camp, though, right? Yeah, but it just got out. Pre-season. Yeah, yeah, you know, I know. I yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah, I think. That dude decided to tell the story. So guess what? Yeah. Yeah, people don't make up stories like that. <laughs> but uh, man, I. I wonder, to be honest, after the Titans game uh, versus the Jags and the way his body expression, the handshake afterwards, I wonder if he was just like, you know what, I'm ready to go anyway. I mean, he, <laughs> man, his his body language, demeanor just looks like he's not into it. It's like, I've lost. I've lost this transition from being a great college coach, maybe, you know, during his era, maybe the best, if not the second best. And right now, naturally, Saban is the best. And, you know, what he has three national championships and the transition to pro, I just think he never grasped at all. I mean, uh, you know, you're talking to grown men and not 18 to 22, as I said before, and that was going to be the detriment to him until he adapted. I was hoping that he could adapt to that because if he did, I thought he could have success, not just there, but also – learning on the fly in this first season about how to approach game planning and how you, you don't, if you don't have the best players, uh, but you have really good competitive players, how do you win games and how to game plan and that he was going to learn that with some experienced guys on offense and defense as his coordinators. I thought he would do that. He didn't. His, his ego and his uh, mindset that he was better than every and he was bigger than everybody. This is not college football. And that's where he, he lost. Uh, and, uh, you know, this, the statements that he said, you know what, I, I, <laughs> I have an issue with somebody getting kicked, but at the same time, he, what he followed that up with his verbiage when he said that I'm the head coach. Oh, wow. Right. That was, that was like, oh man. So you know, this is wrong and you don't give a crap. You're above everyone. And that's college. The college head coach is the forefront of the uh, school and everything else. Well, in the NFL, it's not. It's the quarterback.
You're not. You're in the backdrop. And I'm sure. I'm sure he wish he was in a backdrop. <laughs> yeah, he got, he got dropped. So I'm interested to see. You know, if they could fire him with cause, or how much does the, you know, the settlement of his what it was at a five year contract. That's now we know that. I don't know still the actual numbers per years upwards from seven to ten million. We would think. Uh, he gave him the keys to the whole organization, and he 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 blew it. So now moving forward, a lot of you know, Urban Meyer and jokes and everything else. And, you know, I'm, I'm really not keen on all that. He just couldn't get it done. Where do they go from here? You know, typically when you fire somebody at any, you know, level of a, any organization, whether it's sports or anything, you probably do the opposite of what you did before. Right. So that's, that's just human nature. Didn't say he's going to do that, but I sure hope he didn't go back to college. So where does he go from here? And I know there's a lot of names out there, but, man, I would make sure you have Trevor Lawrence. You want to go with an offensive guy. If you go defensive guy, you better make sure he's hiring a high-level offensive coordinator. But I would lean more towards, uh, you know, some offensive-type, you know, experienced, uh, not to be a head coach, but experienced with quarterbacks. That would be my number one priority. And hopefully I could get someone with experience, too, at the same time. So, I'm interested to see uh, where they go. Uh, bad news for for the Titans and I, because I, I I really want them to keep them. Yeah, I, yeah, I want to give them another year and, and say okay, and then maybe he figures it out, but they still won't be good because ultimately that's his DNA. And I know he was teaching a class, but there's you know leadership and everything else at Ohio State. But this is a pet peeve of mine. If I was ever an athletic director, because I'll never be one, because I'd probably get fired because I'd let my coaches walk. But how many of them, Mickey, you've been in the industry, how many of them have taken leadership development programs? Have they taken, let alone dealing with, uh, let's say, psychology and mental health and all these things, just like there's a requirement for you to be a head coach uh, in college uh, to make sure you know all the rules. Mm -hmm. These should be part of the rules in my mind. Because what happens is you get someone who moved up the ladder and then all of a sudden they don't have the leadership skills, but they have all the other skills. But if you don't have the leadership skills, you can ruin your whole deal yep. because you're going to become the biggest face of any university in college, especially if you're a power five program. So I, I think uh, the NCAA should kind of look at like some other things around that, uh, just knowing people in the industry who are athletic directors, associate athletic directors. Uh, it's just that uh, he's <laughs> he's in the limelight because he, he won national championships. But I, I think he is not alone in his actions and how he acts. And I'm not talking about kicking people. I'm just talking about in his actions and how he goes about his business uh, from a character leadership development program. So that that's what kind of perturbs me because guess what? This didn't just happen. But see, I'm I'm real big on... Just because he won, it was okay. No, it's not okay. Right. Yeah. We make exceptions because he was winning. All the tea leaves and signs were there. I think everybody was saying maybe one person out of a thousand, oh, he's going to have a great job. At, uh, he's going to do a great job at Jacksonville. Nobody thought he was going to do well. Shad Khan, the, only, the one guy with the checkbook. Well, he was hoping that he Hey, guess what I can't say? Tip the cap to him. He tried. Yeah, he tried and said, you know what? I messed up. I, he, I'm fixing it. Yep. So good for him. Lucas, I know we're set to have Buster Screen check in from the Titans, right? Is that any minute, I guess? Uh, Why don't we do this? 
Let's go ahead and take our break now, uh, our, our break a little bit early, a couple minutes early. Titans cornerback Buster Screen is set to join us. Uh, Mark Long from the Associated Press in Jacksonville also in this hour. We'll take a quick break. Hopefully we'll have uh, the Titans cornerback with us on the other side. It's Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Uh, lots of talk around this AFC South world that we live in about Urban Meyer getting cut loose by the Jaguars. Oddly enough, in the middle of the night, uh, Mark Long Joins us now, the Associated Press reporter. You can follow him at AP Mark Long. It's an easy Twitter handle to remember. Mark, uh, I've seen five o'clock Friday news dumps, but I've never seen one a.m. Uh, uh, Eastern time news dumps. That's a new one on me. What about you, Mark? You there? Uh, uh, seems like we're having trouble getting you, Marky Mark. Hello. Hey. Oh, there you. Can are. you hear us, buddy? I, oh, now I can. Hey, good I'm deal. Put me on mute. Hey, it's all right. We got a new system here. We're learning on the fly. Good to have you today, buddy. There you go. Well, I'm about to have a new coach, so I'll be learning on the fly with you. <laughs> hey, <everybody. laughs> nice segue. It, 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 yes, yes. Very good job. Uh, words are his business. So uh, here's what I said. We've all seen a lot of like five o'clock Friday news dumps, but never a one a.m. Eastern time. That was a new one for me. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I think there was uh, obviously a lot of moving parts yesterday. That Josh Lambeau news broke in the afternoon. And I think they, you know, Urban Meyer was at the NFL owners meeting in Dallas. And I think, you know, it was a matter of, you know, people in Jack Hill talking to Shad Khan and being able to get him after those owner meetings and see what he wanted to do. And then all of a sudden the wheels start turning. I think they, from my understanding, is they decided, you know, a little bit after 8 that they were done with him. And then they really spent from 8 to midnight negotiating. Mm. Is this going to be a resignation? Is it going to be a firing? What kind of buyouts are you going to get? What kind of full payments he's going to get? And we don't know. I haven't seen the details of that. I don't know the details of that. He definitely was. In, he did end up getting fired, so that usually indicates that he's getting his money when you get fired as opposed to resigning and working out some sort of settlement. So, um, you know, I know that took a long time. That uh, went back and forth from you know, about 8 to midnight is what I'm hearing now, and that's why we got the news so late at, uh, you know, 1235 uh, this morning. Yeah, Mark, I just want to add to that. So there's no part of the contract. I know the language is always detailed, and you may not know those details, but uh, could he be fired for cause, and then that's why you're negotiating the buyout or setup, and maybe even not paying but the rest of the season? Yeah, that that would be the interesting part. But, again, here you are. You're talking about something that happened in August with in terms of the Josh Lambeau thing. And if you're firing with cause, do you worry about that thing ended up in the courts or in litigation or, you know, I, I, if they fired him with cause, I'd be really surprised that it, it only took four hours of negotiation to get done. So my guess is oh. they talked about it. The agent or the attorney pushed back and the Jags finally just said, listen, we're going to get this done. We're going to fire him. We're going to pay it. I mean, you know, shotgun's worth $9 billion. <laughs> uh, he's not, he's not going to lose a lot of sleep over, uh, a $40 million mistake with Urban Meyer. He might lose a little bit, but it won't be a lot. Uh, so my guess is they just decided, look, we got to do this. We got to move on. Uh, you know, you can't let him go in front of the team again. You can't let him get in front of, you know, the microphones again. You've got to pull, you know, pull the string on this thing. And let me just add this. I think the Josh Lambeau, no question, was maybe the final straw. But I, bigger than that, more weight than that, Trevor Lawrence had a one-on-one meeting with Shad Khan on his yacht Tuesday. And if, if, you, if you listen to Trevor Lawrence, what he told us Wednesday, he was very adamant that, listen, the 
the drama has to stop. The headlines have to stop. If we're going to get this turned around and get headed to where we got we want to be, where we want to go, it's got to – all of it. The circus has got to stop. The clown show has got to stop. And he even hinted in there, you know, that it's all generating – it's all coming from one source. And we all know that the one source is Urban Meyer. That's where the whole circus is originating from every single week. And so for, Urban, for Trevor Lawrence to say that to us on Wednesday – my guess is he had already said that Tuesday to the owner. So my, again, guessing here until we get Shad Khan or Trevor Lawrence, it's, it's guessing and some speculation and some uh, hearsay. But what I'm, what I'm hearing and putting together is Trevor Lawrence made it pretty clear to Shad Khan on Tuesday that this isn't working. And it's not working because the guy at top is, is, has no, no, you know, no credibility in the locker room and no leadership skills, and, you know, he's confused every single week and complete chaos every other week. And so uh, when, when the face of your franchise, and it's, it's Trevor Lawrence, not Urban Meyer, when the face of your franchise comes forward and does that kind of, shows that kind of leadership at 22 years old, a guy you definitely, you know, are committed to here maybe for 10, 15, 20 years, uh, you know, I think that carried more weight than anything Josh Lambeau told you know said about something that happened in august how mark long associated press uh down in uh, the jacksonville area covering the jags uh, just giving us the straight stuff here on blaine and mickey right now yeah no doubt about it uh man do you think urban meyer i know it's still early yet but will he ever even coach again and i'm not even talking about the nfl i'm talking about even college i mean athletic director may in a couple years be like oh well that that's over he's still a great college coach I think he'll want to coach again. Yeah, he's 57 years old. He's, you know, not old by any means, right, certainly yeah. not in the coaching profession. And do you, would you want to go out like this? Yeah, right, I with your legacy, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, mm-hmm. if, if this is your reputation, this is your legacy, especially if you don't like the way it ended, which, you know, by all accounts, he doesn't, he's not going to like, you know, a, a player saying he kicked him. You know, that's, that's not the way Urban Meyer wants to go out. He's not going to you know, with all these rumors and stuff about him and Marvin Jones and him and the assistant coaches and calling them losers, all that stuff that he's denied, you know, he doesn't want to go out like that. So my guess is Urban Meyer will find some soft landing spot. Bobby Petrino did. uh, Many other coaches have done the same thing. Rick Petino did it. You know, disgraced Louisville coach. They find soft landing spots and maybe work their way back. And that's what, that's what Irvin will do. I, I really do believe he'll, he'll land somewhere. Like you said, some college will, will reach out, and Urban Meyer will jump at the opportunity because that's, this is what he does. He's not the kind of guy, anybody who knows him, he is very focused and high-strung and, and uh, intense. And I just don't see him sitting on the beach you know, going for walks with his wife all day, hanging out doing Sudoku puzzles. You know, that's just not Urban Meyer. Mm. Sudoku, Sudoku. How did I say it right? I don't even remember. Whatever yeah. you want to keep. Yeah. Whatever head, game that he know. wouldn't be playing. Yes. I'm with you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he, it, whatever I said, he's not going to be doing it. Yeah. Well, you, you hear from the naysayers, and, and I, I have no idea, and I, I don't think this is true, but that at some point, you know what? Did he want to get fired? Like, do you believe that? Like, did he feel like I'm, I didn't win, I, did, I wasn't successful, it's time to move on? Okay, so, again, this is, you know, I'm dropping stuff that I, I, I haven't been able to confirm, but I'll go ahead and drop it here. 
he supposedly walked out of the building yesterday right after practice and nobody ever heard from him again. So See? I don't yeah. know if that's true, but if, if he walked out, if he, if he just up and left yesterday, he knew this Lambeau thing was coming. They all knew inside the building. They were yeah. working on it all day yesterday, prepping their, their response. You know, he's not a guy who handles dysfunction, which is kind of crazy because he's, you know, the ultimate dysfunction guy, you know. He a lot of well, stuff. not in his eyes, not he in his eyes. He doesn't handle it well. He doesn't handle, you know, he didn't handle his family situation very well. It, it, it affects him, and he likes things to go smoothly. So all of a sudden, now you got this big, huge wrinkle, and you know it's coming, and you got to go, you know, maybe you got to face the team, maybe you got to face these coaches knowing that's coming down. And it sounds like, from all I heard, is it really sounds like he chose not to even face it and walked out of the building. And the coaches were left sitting here going, okay, now we got to go, we got to continue preparing where, and you know, and the head coach is gone. And let's not pretend like that wouldn't have been a factor too in Shad Khan making the decision to fire him. Um, so, you know, if that's true, that's pretty damning and it's pretty telling in terms of, of where he was at with this thing that had completely unraveled and taken on a life of its own. And I don't think there was any put, any, any, anybody who's going to be able to put this one back in the bottle. Mm. We're on with AP Mark Long giving us the business. Oh, Urban Meyer dropping bombs everywhere, just like Urban Meyer did. <laughs> yeah. So, Mark, I was on with Joe Cowart and, and Ryan and Leon and, and, and those guys the yep. other day. And we AK were talking. guys. Oh, great guys. And, and they were asking me, you know, what do people in, in Nashville think about this? And I said, well, you know, the old saying 90% of the people when it comes to your problems – 90% don't care and 10% are glad you got them. The Titans fans were certainly glad that the Jags had problems. But after I hung up with them, we talked about Shad Khan, and I came up with this. You know, I had this discussion with my kids, both of them. If you've got something going on and there's always a problem and the only common denominator is you, then you're the problem. It is Shad Khan, because Shad Khan is he's a kind guy. The checkbook's always open, but he's obviously got a problem with decision-making and hiring people. Does he need to find some help? Does the Tony and that his son, does somebody else need to help make decisions with him? For sure. And it won't be Tony. Tony's got his own hands full with AEW wrestling. Okay. He's also the general manager of the Fulham soccer team that's, you know, trying to get back in the Premier League. So, you know, that, that, that's not going to happen. Shad Khan had the right idea mm -hmm. and, and the wrong execution in 2017. Mm. He brought back Tom Coughlin and made Tom Coughlin – you know, the overseer of head coach Doug Marone and general manager Dave Caldwell. He had the right idea. Put somebody there who's in charge of both sides, the, the personnel side and the coaching side, and let him report to the owner. And the problem here is they put the wrong guy there because Tom Coughlin wanted to be the GM and the head coach. And you gave him all this power, and he basically tried to do both of those instead of being the liaison to the owner, which is really what you need in that position. So he, he had the right idea. I think he should go back to that. The reality about Shad Khan is he doesn't live in Jacksonville. He's got two homes, one in Champaign, Illinois, and one in Naples, Florida. So he's not far away, and he's got his, you know, his luxury yacht that sometimes comes here in Jacksonville, and he stays on that. But he's an absentee owner, and you know, he does a lot of work, good work in the community, in the state, and when he comes to Jacksonville, he pokes his head in, stays, and sits down and meets with everybody and gets the lowdown. But that's, you know, that's not necessarily every week or every month or every, you know, every, every even six weeks. So 
he, he not being here, Tony used to be, his son used to be in the building all the time. And then Tony got, you know, got his own stuff going on and, you know, he got the Fulham soccer and, and he got the AEW and now he's out of the building. So I do think that would be a smart model for Shad Khan to go back to is to have somebody uh, overseeing the personnel side and the football side who doesn't want to be the head coach and doesn't want to make the draft pick, mm. but a guy who can give some guidance on the, both of those things and constant feedback back to the owner. Mm. I guess real quick before we let you go, because we got to go, but uh, give us three names of guys, uh, you know, the fans or you guys in the media there who cover the team that you guys are thinking off the cuff they should be uh, given an opportunity to be a head coach at Jacksonville. Well, I think Doug Peterson will be, will be, a, will be an mm-hmm. option. Okay. I think you should at least look at this guy. I mean, he's a Super Bowl winning coach with the Eagles, uh, very successful, had, you know, had a good mm-hmm. run there. Out of a job right now. He's guy guy you can go talk to today, tomorrow, next yeah, week, whatever yeah. you want. I think he's got to be an, an option. I, Eric Bieniemy was was in the mix last time when they ended up with Urban Meyer, so I would think Eric Bieniemy's another one. And then Josh McDaniels. Why wouldn't you go get Josh McDaniels, who's obviously been very successful with Mac Jones up in New England, Tom mm-hmm. Brady, obviously, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, and and you go get him. And uh, even though he you know he whiffed on Tim Tebow. I think you'd, you'd go at least make Josh McDaniels turn you down uh, because that's the kind of guy you want to pair with Trevor Lawrence for the long haul here. Good stuff. Mark, fantastic stuff, man. Thank you so much for the time today. People, for all the latest, follow Mark at AP Mark Long on Twitter. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Appreciate you guys. Yes, sir. Day. Mark Long. Been covering the Jags for a hot minute down there. Uh, let's go from Jags talk to Titans talk with a Titan. Buster Screen oh, joins us screen. now. Buster, how in the world are you doing? <laughs> My man. Doing great. Just got out of practice. Well, uh, oh, it, I, I got to ask you this. So you were the Titans pick you up, and you immediately go. You play uh, like 30% of the plays. Then last week you played every play on defense. Has the last couple of weeks just kind of been a whirlwind for you? Uh, not a whirlwind at all. Uh, it's my 11th year. So um, a free agency, I had got a concussion last year, and I told every team that called that, you know, if I came on the team, I wanted to play. And, uh, you know, practice squad is a big thing in the NFL nowadays. But, um, <laughs> yeah. I've always started, I always play. I didn't want to do any team any uh, disservice by joining their team and not, you know, who would want to join a team and not play. So I appreciate the Titans for letting me play. Yeah, man, jumped right in and been playing well. Buster Screen, our guest here on Blaine and Mickey. Well, Buster, you know, it's your first time on the show. This is Blaine Bishop, former Titan. In. And I, I just wanted to ask you, like, what do you do on your free time? I know we can talk about all the football stuff we'll get into, but, like, you know, we're trying to get to know you, man, because I'm a big fan of yours. You played outside, inside, shorter guy, went to Chattanooga, proved everybody wrong, and, you know, did a heck of a job, which we all know that's really hard to do. Uh, so, yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself and, uh, you know, backdrop. What do you do on your free time? I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. I got three kids, so if we talk about free time, there is no free time. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Yeah, we're dads. We I know like that, it. Buster. Right. But um, just, you know, having three kids, uh, you guys are dads, too. You really, like, you work, and, like, when you work, I enjoy what I do. So once I go home, it's uh, maybe an hour on the iPad, and the rest is, you know, time to my kids, whatever they want to do. Mm. Man, Mike Vrabel gave you a compliment. He said this about other players, too, but it seemed like it was a little bit different with you and your professionalism when you got there and how quickly you picked up the scheme and and your work ethic and how you went about it as a pro, not just on the football field, but also in the meeting room. So kind of 
take us through what was your mindset when you got here after being released by the 49ers? Well, I knew they had a couple guys hurt. Um, when I joined the 49ers and when I came to the Titans, um, you know, I played for a while. So there are, right. I do think there are higher expectations for a guy that's played for a while. Mm-hmm. And uh, my whole career, there's talented guys and then there's guys that are talented and, you know, true professionals. And I always said, you know, if I play and continue to play, I'd be a true professional no matter, like, how much money I make, how many rewards I get. So um, that's just kind of my character, just – I always go full speed in practice. I always do little things because, you know, I know it's panned out and I have some good vets in front of me that showed me that along the way. Man, we're on with the Buster screen up for the Tennessee Titans. Cornerback slash utility slot, do it all. Man, <laughs> were there a lot of people kind of questioning you because of your size coming out of college? Because everywhere you go, I saw you play with Revis. I go, uh-oh, oh, he played yeah. with Revis. And then you stacked up, and next thing you know, Revis is gone bye-bye. And you are now the starter. I mean, we all know Revis is going to the Hall of Fame and everything else. But, hey, man, kind of take us through who you are and what makes you so competitive in believing in yourself. Um, so I went to University of Chattanooga. University of Chattanooga, I was the number one corner. So, you know, number one corner always plays in the boundary in college because it's the easiest throw. Oh, that's what I played. Yeah. I ended up going to an all-star game, you know, my agent – had a guy that did us a favor, Texas versus the nation, and they ended up putting me on Texas team, even though it was supposed to be all Texas cats. So I played well in that game, got drafted to Cleveland fifth round. When I played in Cleveland, I actually played corner, and uh, Kwan Williams, the nickel for San Fran, played nickel. So leaving Cleveland, this is the transition to nickel. So the Jets called me, and they said, hey, we want you to be the number two. We're going to sign Revis. And you know how business is. Two days later, they – uh, picked up Antonio Camardi. So I got pushed to nickel, and that's like when the life of nickel started for me, and people started saying, oh, he's a nickel back. It's like they forgot about my whole Cleveland career. Always, uh, I was always in the top three in passes defending. So it was fun to play corner again um, with the Titans this past Sunday. Mm. Well, now I, I know this is going to take you way back because you've been in the league a long time, and, man, tip the cap to you. I only got the 10 and then health and everything else, but – Man, when you take us back to your your drafting, did you know you were going to get drafted? You said you went to the All Star games, but did you believe that that was going to happen, or did you think you was going to have to go down a free agent route, or do you even know the list of guys who went ahead of you, and you just keep saying, "Yep, I'm still playing. He's gone." <laughs> I, I, you know, I kind of the list ahead of me. I did keep up with it for a while, but then uh-huh. you know how it is. Like you now, I'm lining up with people that are ten years younger than me. <laughs> But um, yeah. in Chattanooga, after the All-Star game, after the combine, I started working out with a lot of teams. So I knew I had a chance of getting drafted. I didn't know, you know, when exactly I was going to get drafted. But when I got my name called in the fifth round, I made more than happy. And uh, just to see my mom smile and all that other good stuff, yeah. you know, felt good. Uh, well, cool. We're on with uh, Buster Screen of the Tennessee Titans. Man, take us through that pick against the Jags. You read that like a book. You knew exactly yeah. what was coming. Mm-hmm. So I knew third and long, second and long, they like to run dig routes. We call it Razor here in uh, Tennessee. <laughs> and at that moment of the game, you know, you can look a guy in the eyes, you can just tell when he's rattled. So I knew, I knew Trevor was going to throw the dig no matter what. I seen who they had at number one, and uh, <laughs> that was the route. That was the route. I mean, the, he was getting sacked all game, people picking balls off. So at that moment, I just know he wanted to get the ball out of his hands and uh, – 
He threw the ball. Good thing he didn't throw anything else. See, that, yeah. <laughs> so you saying you went outside the scheme to make that play? Or was that part of that, that scheme that you have to dig route? All right, can I take it? That, it was definitely in the scheme. It was oh, in the okay. scheme, like, uh, you know, second and longer, third and longer, you should, like, uh, think there's going to be something behind the hook dropper. And at that moment, number two went outside, so I knew the dig was coming. Mm. Man, I, I want to add to that real quick, though, because this is what I love about why guys play so long. How much of your football acumen really has helped you along the way and helped you beat other players out, whether it was first string, second string, or you know, third string, wh- whatever it may be? And that's why a lot of players lose out. I would say, like, the, the guys, as you know, the guys that are like football junkies, in the playbook, those are the guys that, you know, stay in the league for a long time because mm-hmm. you can start slowing down. Do I think I'm slowing down? No, not at all. But the dudes, when they start slowing down, um, I would say, I'm not saying this guy's slowing down, but, like, Malcolm Jenkins is, you know, still making $8 million. I think Malcolm Jenkins is, like, 33, 34. But he's such a smart player. He can play every position on the field. I mean, there's value in that. And, you know, the biggest thing on the back end is just trusting that your guys are going to be in the right spot. So, mm-hmm. I just, uh, you know, continue to study, continue to view, review, like, the little things that uh, you might forget, and it's all panned up. Buster, you sound like a guy named Blaine Bishop, who I sit with I every day. For, dude, I mean, man. you should see his face right now. You are, <laughs> it's like you're preaching dude. to him. This is fantastic, Buster. Oh, man. Hey, hey I got to ask you, how does my next-door neighbor growing up, they called him Buster. It was not his name. So you're Daryl Frank Screen. How did you mm-hmm. get the name Buster. Oh, your name, your, your real name is not Buster. <laughs> so Daryl Frank Green Jr. Oh yes, and, sir. Uh, oh. I'm from the South, and you know when you're in the South, you just get nicknames. Like my, they call my dad Butch. <laughs> they call me Daryl. They call his brother Pumpkin. So there's really, you know, no real reason why I got my name Buster. My grandma just started calling me Buster, and it just, you know, it stayed from elementary school all the way through the rest of my life. That's fantastic. Grandma nicknames, there's nothing like them. Buster Screen right. or I guess here on Blade and Mickey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's pretty cool. I had a nickname, but it, it, it went away once I got to the pro, so <laughs> I'm probably glad. But anyway, that was Woody. But uh, <laughs> I, only one more question, though. I guess, and I'm sure you've played against uh, the Steelers, but let's talk a little bit about what you see in you know Big Ben and how he looks today compared to maybe some of the other times. He's still really good. and It could be his last hurrah and everything else, but we all know those Hall of Fame players can pull some stuff out of their back pocket and show a performance like we've never seen before. So kind of take us through what you see with their team this year. All right, so this year Big Ben's getting the ball out of his hands quick. Um, he has the quickest release in the NFL, I think time-wise right now. Mm. But when I play, when I used to play for the Browns uh, those four years, they would say, Hey, man, be, you know, ready for him to extend the play because guys will hit him in the back, hit him right, in the leg. They right. just bounce right off of him. So I say what the biggest difference is, you know, for the D-line, get your hands up, you know, because they like throwing RPOs and things like that. Mm-hmm. And um, the plays when they do have to play action or, like, extend the play, like, go for the ball. I mean, I, he's still a big target and uh, still a guy's hard to bring down. So they always told us, you know, going after Big Ben, go for the ball because, you know, he has to protect the ball. Mm-hmm. There you go. Buster Screen. And what's his, what's his first name? <laughs> Daryl. Daryl Jr. <laughs> I want to meet Uncle Pumpkin. This is the guy that I want to meet, Buster. Uh, I, I, anybody named Pumpkin's got to be a good dude. Oh, man. Uh, 
Probably good with a grill, too. Guy named Pumpkin. Like, yeah, just show right, up and be the life of the party. Oh, man, some, yeah, some meat on that grill, right? <laughs> hey, Buster, we know you're busy prepping for the Steelers. Appreciate Listen, you, man, bro. thank you so much. It was great getting to know you a little bit better. And, and anytime you want to jump on the radio and talk about anything you want to talk about, come on down here with us. Appreciate yeah, you, man. Good luck, man. Yes, sir. Yeah. Thanks, UTC's Buster. own Buster screen. Dang, that was... Ooh, man, the, I love what I'm talking about. Look on your face. He's talking about prepping and watching film. Oh, I was watching you. Look I like just, a oh, I get proud so excited about there. that. Yeah, I yeah. do because I yeah, I like I like playing with smart players. That dude is yeah, smart. I, I can't be I can't be playing with no ding dongs. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, how about like I know the practice squad's a big thing right now, but I don't want to be on one. Yeah. Uh, if I go somewhere, I'm going to play. Hey, he was straight up on ours. Yeah, but I'd appreciate be, it. I'll be, just be, don't. I'm just going to wait for the right opportunity. That's a lot of confidence because I I think if I was still playing right now, I'd probably say yeah, yeah, y'all want to practice squad, but in my mind, I say oh okay. Sure, but in my mind, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to be there very long. Right. He told him. Yeah, no, I, I, I can't do that. doing the Peace Squad. Wow. Uh, all right, we'll come back. Wrap up this Peace <laughs> Squad. This hour next. I'm blaming Mickey. Okay. Lawrence to throw it. Looking. Fires down the middle. Intercepted screen. Buster screen to the 30, to the 25, to the 20. Buster screen is taken down at the 15. Fourth interception for the Titans. And it's Chattanooga's own. Buster Screen uh, just joined us. You will definitely, if you're just getting in a car, you're just getting a chance to listen to the show, uh, we had Mark Long of the Associated Press and Buster Screen in the last segment. So the, mm. we got all kinds of insights. Mm. So Urban Meyer just walked out of the facility. Man, he yeah, Mark Long week. dropped he that. I was like, whoa. Back. Oh, man. He, he never was upset about something. Yeah, he was. Probably when he found out that, that, that kicker news was about to get out. Yep. Yacht, everybody knew over there. Yacht meetings with the quarterback and Shad Khan. The, the Quarterback went to the yacht to meet with Shad Khan. Wow. What a what a dumpster fire. Then we have Buster Screen on, who's like the most put-together guy. And uh, that was his interception against the Jags on Sunday that helped seal the shutout, that mm-hmm. helped seal Urban Meyer's doom over there. But uh, Yeah, with his inside out. And he said, like, yeah, people forget I can play outside. They just got locked in at, uh, you know, I'm the 5'9", five, 5'10 five, guy in the slot, and that's where they put me. But I can play outside, too. Man, what a valuable player that is uh, uh, when you got a guy on a roster, whether he's starting or nickel or outside or even in a backup role, man. That guy is very knowledgeable of the game. 154 career games, Blaine, that guy's played. 154 years. Wow. career at games. Chat. At a Chattanooga. Which, Tennessee Jack. Which UTC. honestly tells you a whole lot about how durable he is to have played that many games in that many years. It tells you he's, He's literally playing 15 games a year mm-hmm. uh, over that time. Um, Fifth-round pick. Yeah, yeah. fifth-round pick uh, out of Chattanooga. Just He was saying all the stuff. What's funny is I, I've sat with you now for years on a radio show and for even more times on a Titans pregame show, and all the things that you talk about watching film and preparing and all the – it's exactly the stuff that he talked about. Yeah, And you've liked him since he got here – you have to like him even more now that you've talked yeah, to him. Yeah, because I don't get that stuff. little insight. All I'm talking about is his ability. Uh, but then when you get to know the characteristics of what makes him, you know, the player that he is, then that, that resonates with me. And that's that's why I was asking those questions about, you know, playing so long and everything else. Got to be a pretty sharp cookie, at least on the football field and studying and taking care of your body and all those things uh, to play this long and then have uh, somewhat, you know, success. I mean, man. And then for him just to say that I'm not going to be on the on the on the practice on the P squad, uh, I'm coming, I'm playing. They just let me know. <laughs> wow, yeah. Ooh, that, that's that's some confidence, and he, and he says it a matter of factly. It's not you know arrogance by any means. You could tell. 
So uh, that resonates with me and, and a lot of the, I'm sure, veteran guys who will be in this league and, and have staying power. So, yeah, I, I really like that. Four years in Cleveland, four years with the Jets, two years in Chicago. Um, then he started this year with the 49ers, played in, he played in one game there, one game with the 49ers. And, uh, he said he had a concussion or yeah. something. So I think that might have been the issue. But, uh, yeah, you can't measure a lot of, you know, these things that he, he has that's making him, you know, as good as he is, uh, which is heart, you know, study habits, acumen of the game, little nuances, uh, you know, until you have a conversation with him. And see, that's those things that put you over the top. Uh, yeah, so that that was pretty unique just to hear that. It's funny you've you've mentioned this a lot. It's something we've talked about just because they've had to do it. Just John Robinson and identifying guys on the street and bringing yeah, them he in. Did. I mean, yeah, that's why when everybody's talking about guys on the street, <laughs> I go, wait, 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 they wait, can wait. play. They, they 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 can play. They they just right to place, right time. Doesn't mean they can be the starter. Right. They, even if they were put in that position because of injuries or COVID or whatever it may have been, but. Uh, these guys can play. There's a lot of good players out there, as we're finding out, especially if you do your due diligence like John Robinson has done uh, to find him. Uh, to me, he's he's a guy that I, I would want uh, back after this season, at least one more season, even if it's in a reduced role because he can help my young players. I got two young corners, three really, with Farley, uh, Molden, and then, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> and who's the other one? Oh, Fulton. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Fulton, so you keep talking about Farley, and I'm like, because Farley. He's, he's, oh yeah, the, fir- he's still the first round on the draft team. Pick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's when he comes back, the reason why I say that is because first he can he can give him the cheat codes. Yeah. So I'm talking like this because that's how these these kids learn. They they play all these video games. I'm gonna give you the cheat code. I'm gonna give you the cheat code on how to have success. Uh, and his success may be a little bit different because he has a little more tools mm-hmm. if he's healthy, you know, with his length and size. Mm-hmm. Uh, so can he do some of the same things? Maybe. Uh, but there's certain things, you know, screens just always going to be better just because of his, the way he's built, you know. Uh, so, you know, Farley won't ever be probably playing the slot. <laughs> no, not that big rascal. <laughs> no. uh, Jedi from Bowling Green is checking in. When you call, we like to hear from you guys. Mark Spain, Real Estate Hotline. Jedi, what you got, man, before we end up this first hour? Good? How are you doing, guys? Hey, a good segment with uh, Blaine's little brother there. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like, Blaine especially Junior, when he yeah. said boundary corner, and that's what I was. And yep. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't as fast as talented him, that's for sure. <laughs> I know you guys are aware that Western's playing Appalachian State in the bowl game, but you may not be aware of what Appalachian State and the community of Boone, North Carolina, have been doing. They've been reaching out, raising money, and sending all kinds of goods and services to Bowling Green. So, I wanted to make uh, Western grads aware of that, and I want to make uh, App State grads aware of it. I think it's a great thing for college football. Going in and out? Jedi, that, that's awesome, man. Oh, my mind was going in and out. What was he saying? Uh, App State is playing Western in the bowl game, and they're sending all kinds of relief effort to Bowling Green, the fans of App State. Oh, awesome. Uh, Mickey, wow. they've raised almost $20,000 so far. So oh, my gosh. Yeah, really something. Well, that just shows you the good that's in college football. Jedi, thank you for telling us that story, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, I don't. Well, I was going to ask him if he could uh, tweet out if he has a Twitter handle and tweet it out just so people could see if they want to go and uh, help out as well. Yeah, Jedi, if you'll do that, uh, if you're on social media, Jedi, on Twitter, tweet us, tag at Blaine and Mickey. Right. We'll tweet it out from our account and make sure that we get it out from there. We'll retweet it and uh, Blaine and I can hit it as well, well. If not, Lucas will put you on hold and then 
he will get the information for you, and then we will if you, if you All want right. to. All right, he's, he, he's, he's gone. gone. But, okay. yeah, but you can call back to Luke's in time, absolutely. If there's a link or anything, we'll let people know. But uh, it's a lot of good that happens around sports. That's just a, mm-hmm. another just a on-the-sly thing that those App State fans are doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, App State is a fantastic college football story. They, oh, yeah. They, they were in Division One until a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Going to bowl games, competing yeah. at the highest level. Got their coach, the Missouri job. I mean, App State's getting it. Uh, the guy before that, well, got the Louisville job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they getting it done at App State. Uh, all right, we got to get it done. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two coming up. Doug Matthews with all the latest. Tennessee's got their signing, uh, their uh, their class uh, signed for the early signing period and bowl game prep and lots more going on. We'll get to all that coming up.